What's up, y'all? Welcome to All Packed Up. We have a pretty unique episode for you guys. Me, Kansas, are joined by our good friend Greg Boydston in the Roosevelt National Forest uh, while we're camping. Just listening to music, having some drinks, and uh, sharing some stories all around a campfire. Hope y'all enjoy. Okay, all packed up uh, after dark. Kansas, you want to tell uh, the listeners where we are? Uh, we were in uh, this incredible little area of Colorado called Sugarloaf. We're just over 8,000 feet, somewhere between eight and 8,500, depending on which GPS is telling us our altitude. And uh, weather's beautiful. It's about 60 degrees outside right now, and we've got a uh, hollowed out, stump section with flames coming out of the top of it as we sit around <laughs> we watch the sunset smoky mountains in the distance with uh, a fingernail moon rising over the horizon and uh life's good i mean this is these are the things that like you get a paycheck but uh this is what living's about yeah. you know sitting here with buddies Having a great conversation, listening to Hank Senior, yeah, drinking a couple CL smoothies. <laughs> uh, speaking of hanging out with buddies, you want to introduce uh, who we're here with? Hey y'all! <laughs> the the hey y'all that you heard is uh, our great friend Greg, and uh, Greg a- is a is a uh, firefighter in Orange County, and he just recently got his. Uh, passed his medics exam which is the very terrible way to describe what you've gone through to get there and it's much more complicated than the medics exam but uh uh greg has uh has been on a wildfire cruise for years and uh has been at orange county for how many years greg uh three going on four Going on four years, and uh, Greg is a is a wild at heart kind of a guy, and loves being outside and doing great fun things, and uh, has this badass little Tacoma with a four wheel camper, Swift in the back, and uh, he shout loves four wheel camper. Shout out to four wheel camper, <laughs> and he loves to he loves to ramble and uh, have a good time, and uh, and so he's also a very well noted photographer. Uh, as a as a uh, a person that loves art and Thanks, capturing buddy. things that uh, <laughs> that are beautiful through a lens, and uh, he's done some amazing stuff. And so, uh, so Greg came up actually as a as a pack mule customer to help us in our Overland Expo Mountain West trade show uh, just north of Denver and in Loveland recently. And uh, hung out, and we uh, maybe drank two or three beers during the expo. An hour. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> two or three an hour. And uh, we had to keep reloading. But we had such a great time, and then uh, we decided, let's get up into the mountains and uh, exhale a little bit after that. Here we so, are. So here we are. Here we are in the mountains. Pitch black. Can't see probably 20 yards. There could be bears. Yeah, yeah now that's dark. <laughs> All you see is the stars. And uh, yeah. Greg, uh, if people want to check out your photography and what you're doing, your rambling adventures, it's, is it Greg Boydson? Yep. Is my the name. Instagram handle? Yeah, it's just my name. The website is the same thing. B-O-Y-D-S-T-O-N. Yep. Last and name. Greg has two Gs at the end, like greg a Yeah, he's, he's a, he, Greg's, a, Greg's a 3G, Greg. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Strike me as a two G Greg. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's beautiful out here. Uh, we kind of talked earlier about just you know being able to take advantage. I mean, we're in Texas, and opportunities like you know free opportunities, as you say, like this don't aren't as abundant. Um, so, well, what does that mean exactly? What is this opportunity that we have? Well, I mean, Coleman. W- let me say this. I mean, we. 
for the most part, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> for the most part, we were able to. Nobody knows we're in a, in a, in a uh, national park well, yeah, right that's now. What I was, that's what I was looking to, but national I was just going to say like. National forest, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're not as part. We're just a forest. Yes. Forest. Roosevelt. <laughs> right? forest. Yeah. Roosevelt. Yeah. No, what I was going to say is, is for the most part, like let's say we didn't plan any of this out. For the most part, we could be driving on the highway and look up and see this hill slash mountain and be like, I want to go up there. And darn it, we just went up there and, and started camping. That's right. You know, that opportunities like that are, are pretty rare where we're at, you know. Usually we got to go through some, you know, some some gate and pay 30 bucks and, and you know, do that whole thing. But, you know, that. I mean, yeah, now, te- Texas is is ninety percent private land, right. where most every state west of Texas, which was the last kind of free roam uh, <laughs> area of, of what became the United States, um, was a lot of it was placed into these national parks by the namesake of the of the or I say national parks, national forests, national public lands. Uh, by the namesake of the national force that we're in, which is Teddy Roosevelt, President Theodore Roosevelt, who is an incredible figure. And if you've not read any of his books that he's written or any of the autobiographies about his life, uh, please do it. If you love the outside and you love adventure and you struggle with your day to day and also venturing out and what that balance looks like. I can't necessarily say he had the balance because he worked really hard and then he would leave and go to the, go to the Dakotas for, you know, back then you'd take a train and then you're camping out and you're on horses. It was months that he would be gone from his family. And so I can't in today's world recommend to go do that. But, uh, uh, hero is a strong word, but I look up very (laughs) fondly to, Teddy Roosevelt. We're, we're big. We're big Teddy fans. Big Papa, Teddy fans. Papa Teddy fans over here. Is, uh, do, do you know, Greg, where uh, Teddy uh, Roosevelt's name has carried on outside of national forests? There's a. Well, I'll give you the hint. Okay, there's the teddy bear. Oh, right. Do you know what the teddy bear story is? Why they call the stuffed animal the teddy bear? <laughs> I do not. I've never heard that. Coleman, do you know it? I, I've heard it before. It's something about... No, I'm going to butcher it, so I'm going to embarrass myself, so tell me. Okay, I'm going to tell you. So, Teddy Roosevelt was a um, an avid hunter. He, he actually, yeah. as, a, as a young man, collected uh, birds and butterflies and did all... He, he, was, he studied uh, nature in all sorts of different ways. Uh, and, and he was actually a very sickly young man, and he... Much like uh, poor Sam Starr, who had to leave earlier today, he 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 although overcame by willing himself to not be sickly. He was asthmatic, and he had all these other things that were really a struggle for him. And he went to the gym and worked out and focused on improving himself. And uh, Teddy, Teddy was, Roosevelt went to the gym. Teddy Roosevelt. God, he was very. I wanna... He was very asthmatic, <laughs> and uh, and very sickly as a as a kid, like lots of different ailments and, and such. And uh, he became a he became a big hunter, and and in his adventure, uh, traveling around all these things, um, and his love f- for collecting species and understanding them more, um, you know, w- hunted all over the world, and but in particular all over the U.S. And so he was on a hunt, and I want to say he was in Mississippi hunting a bear. And it and they had been on horseback following some bear. Maybe they had dogs. I can't recall 100% the details. And uh, it became lunchtime, and it was hot, and he was ready for lunch. And and uh, I think he wanted to take a nap or something. He was a, He was a napper. And uh, so they kind of go back to camp, and the guide that was, you know, running the dogs and everything had found a black bear. And uh, it's it's kind of a disgusting thing to, to think of, but the guide basically lassoed the bear and then tied it to a tree so that when 
Teddy Roosevelt came back, he could release the bear and be like, Teddy, here's the bear or Mr. Roosevelt. Or, uh, and, uh, and so Teddy Roosevelt rides back and, Oh, we're going to, we're going we're gonna to go hunt these bears. You know, and he, he, he shows up and the guide says, here's this bear. And he's like, that's not very sporting. He's like, I'm not going to shoot that bear. But there were, there were, you know, of that day, the media newspaper, uh, writers that had kind of been following around on this trip. And so the cartoonists in newspaper cartooned a bear of Teddy mm. Roosevelt not shooting this bear and it looked really cute and and people started creating stuffed bears huh. from that from that cart you know caricature yeah, cartoon yeah, yeah. and uh, and that's where the term teddy bear comes from interesting i did not so know that so he but he, he didn't shoot the bear really claim like like it wasn't his doing like the the whole teddy bear uh you know cartoon creation no i mean just like today you know the media does what they want right, to do right. and the cartoonists you know caricature things that they want to create life with you know out of some story yeah and print black and white and uh yeah so they just yeah did it <laughs> that's super interesting uh greg what what's kind of your experience with like public land i mean firefighting and i mean i know you were on you've you've gone on long you've been on week-long firefights yeah i mean yeah so my fire career started with the forest service uh i was on a hotshot crew and did the wildland thing for about eight years all based out of the eastern sierra hotshot crew yeah what tell tell yeah, like everybody that. what that means i know you were part of the hotshot crew uh so it's that's uh, not a that's not a calendar is it hotshot <laughs> could be i guess <laughs> um no hotshot crew is just a crew of 20 people that work for the forest service or blm or uh park service uh that are available to go to wildfires anywhere in the united states and even out of the country um occasionally but uh you're basically depending on where you're hired uh different parts of the u.s have different months that burn but uh, for us in california you basically go available uh, may to october um, you're expected to be there for your your normal eight to five schedule, but then you're also available to go wherever they needed uh, these crews, and you could go up to uh, two weeks at a time, uh, working 16-hour shifts, and then uh, you could get extended up to three weeks, or or they they'd put you down for a couple of days, and you'd stay another two. But typically, you'd go 14 days straight, and then come home for two days, Jeez. and then. Uh, you have the potential to go back out after that so you do that from for us like i was saying made october and then uh all the seasonal employees would get laid off for the winter and most guys would go travel or work at a ski resort as lift operators or ski patrol or whatever whatever their winter gig was um and then the full-time folks would uh usually get fix up get the gear all back up and running the, the saws and tools and kind of reset and then you get get to burning all the piles that you may have made or uh thinning projects or whatever it may be through the winter until the next season came around uh, so hotshot crew is just a little different than any other hand crew just just the type of the level of skills or qualifications or the type of terrain that you work in um but basically you take a there's 20 folks split in half into two look like kind of short buses and then uh you drive to wherever the fire is or as close as you could and then you throw up throw on all your gear and walk into where you needed to work and, and then get after it but what does get after it mean Des describe <laughs> this because you've you've told us how you slept on the ground you know y'all yeah, so are, are the majority of the time you're you're sleeping on the ground you can throw down a little tarp and Thermarest and sleeping bag and you just sleep kind of where you could find a dark spot some, I mean sometimes it would be at a fire camp that's established like a catering service and you have like uh, mobile showers and first aid tents or whatever um, but for the 
I guess the more enjoyable fires or for the most part hashakus would be utilized where that wasn't available or needed or the fire was new or small or too remote for that so then we would um, we would sleep on the ground near the rigs or by the I mean a safe distance away from the fire so we could wake up and and do it again the next day so, but. so describe the scene there's a wildfire that's going y'all show up on scene and then y'all are doing what to fight the fire y'all have helicopters that are coming in y'all are y'all yeah, are so th- peeing I, on the fire yeah <laughs> so what we would we walk in with a uh, basically a backpack with uh food water um tools first aid kits kind of whatever you would need for a day's work um and then you have a kind of split up through the 20 people uh some would have hand tools like uh uh, i guess you call them like like grub hose or gardening tools and shovel rake type stuff and then there's a handful of uh crew members that would carry chainsaws and then there's a handful of crew members that follow those with chainsaws and pull what they're cutting so uh when you would hike into a fire and let's say it's like the size of a, a football field then we'd pick a certain spot that makes sense to us and you know just the we know what's going to happen or assume what's going to happen we pick a a corner and and start there and basically what you're doing is the saws will start um and you're cutting down any kind of brush or uh, vegetation that's in the way and you make that cut and the next saw comes in and widens it next saw comes in and widens it and each saw has that that person called a swamper or a polar and as the sawyer is cutting this stuff that person is throwing it to the side um, away from the fire and then so it depends on fuel type and location in the U.S. and how, all that stuff but Three saw teams, pretty typical, sometimes four, but uh, so four of those little teams of two go through and then you have the remaining of the crew that will come through with their hand tools, gardening hose, rakes, all that type of stuff um, and basically making a hiking trail. So huh. the saw cut would be like 12 feet wide. Um, kind That's kind bigger of like the than a hiking a, trail, Greg. What, what's that? 12 feet's bigger well, than a hiking trail, the, right? The saw cut would be like the width of a vehicle and then that's there's still sticks and grass and, okay, and yeah. stuff on the ground and then these other crew members come through with their tools and scrape what looks like a hiking trail that is typically two feet wide and that's kind of like your single track mountain bike trail or your hiking trail okay, and that's yeah. what so when you everybody goes through all 20 people go through you should be able to look <laughs> back and it looks like you could drive a vehicle through it or walk your dog and okay. grandma on it <laughs> and the purpose of that is so the yeah so the if the fire is burning that football field size fire is burning and it's burning towards what we just put in then it's going to burn aggressively with high fuels and then as it gets to the saw cut it doesn't have as much fuel to burn so it get the flame might get smaller and then it burns through sticks and grass and pine cones or whatever and then it hits that two foot wide swath of dirt and has nothing to burn so it's just like a gradual uh putting out of the fire and if you just think about if you start a campfire you stack the sticks like a log cabin taller and taller and taller the fire just goes up and up and up so you're trying to take all those fuels and put them down as low as you can so yeah the saw we also like cut the limbs off of trees like as high as you could reach so the trees can't burn yeah. and throw embers and stuff but uh the goal is just to slow we don't have water or anything with us for use of putting the fire out so the the goal is to give it no fuel to to keep burning that's interesting so it's a so it's a gradual degradation of of the fire source correct and then the amount of wind or the climate being dry drier or wetter or whatever makes the that number of 12 feet and two feet or if the wind is howling and blowing, the wind, the fire is blowing towards your line, then of course you likely need to make the saw cut wider so there's shorter fields for a, a wider distance. And then 
that that tool scrape could be down to dirt for a little wider if you need needed but um yeah it's, that's that's the overall goal of a hot shot crew and there's some other techniques and tools and things that go into it but um for basics yeah you're you're cutting all the fuel with a chainsaw and then scraping all the the small stuff with a shovel ring wow. hoe, whatever and, and what kind of clothing are you wearing at that time uh you're wearing it's called nomex it's fire resistive clothing it's kind of like uh a button down kind of like i don't know rough feeling shirt collared button down shirt and a hard hat and what looked like cargo pants and leather boots mm-hmm. um so it's really and it, it ain't good it, it'll burn <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but it's supposed to not burn like your uh, Levi's and your sure. Pearl Snapwood. Yeah. Sure. And and so do you wear really broken in pants and shirts or at first are they cardboard and uh they're I actually, just I'm they're, picturing they're, you like they're pretty comfortable. Hiking up and down these mountainsides, cutting these trails. You know, the way that your boots fit your foot, the way that your uh, your pants feel and your your shirt and your boots and how they all perform for you uh it doesn't sound like these were polyester breathable fabrics it sounds like they were uh like cotton duct that were probably treated with a resistant type of a chemical uh yeah they're i mean they're they're actually not that uncomfortable uh i guess anything that you wear and you're wearing them and sweating them and not washing them for two weeks is going to be uncomfortable over yeah. time so yeah. there's a, a lot of gold bond there's definitely gold yeah. bond and chafing and yeah. yeah baby wiping and all that stuff um yeah and, and and most of the time when these fires are raging is it a uh is it warm outside also is it yeah, usually summertime it's, so it's like it's summertime 80s. so the high temperature oh. low low humidity so not uncommon i mean it all depends where you're where you're working but for the majority of the time it's going to be yeah 80s 90s sometimes how how much water are you drinking to hydrate during that oh man like like we carry we make everybody usually carry like five to six quarts for a a 16 hour day and you carry that on your back but if you're in southern california on the angeles national forest where it's 110 degrees and four percent humidity you're going to carry those six quarts but then we have uh either we hike them in or if it's remote helicopters or even actually pack mules will bring in uh like five gallon call them qbs it's a cardboard box that's shaped like a cube with like a water bladder in it Hmm. and we could all split that and refill our canteens so yeah you carry your five six quarts whatever and a couple gatorades but uh if if the, wherever you're fighting that fire, the climate is. If you need more water, that they're not gonna, they're not gonna not give you water. I, I, I feel like in a in a situation like that, you kind of <clears throat> you, you create an affinity for the tools that you have in your hand, and maybe there's a memory association, or or your pants, or your boots, or there's some sort of a. Does that happen? Is that like a? This is my tool and it's helped me do these things and i've Uh, I've, i guess i i mean there's like a chainsaw you take care of your chainsaw and you name it and do a whatever that type of silly stuff but i do have my hard hats on the wall at the house from from those years and i don't know that i've thrown any boots away from all of that but uh i don't know it's more the more the people than the gear that sticks i guess i don't know yeah. yeah, so I mean it's, that's got to be I, incredible brotherhood. What I, what that I actually what I have on the wall is every year that I was on a hotshot crew, I have the hard hat worn on that crew, and then a like a shadow box or whatever framed T-shirt that is no longer the same color and faded and torn, and oh, then wow. and then the crew photo of all twenty of us wherever we took the crew photo that year and i have it in order of my progression through that wow so i guess that so how many years is that uh it was i did wildland stuff for eight total and then i moved on and i'm three almost four in to the municipal side of fire it's just so like 
it's just so like far beyond what your stereotypical or what you like, think of a firefighter like growing up. Right? Yeah, there's the big red truck going down right, the right. the road is it's a little different. Yeah, yeah. That's originally I was working for Apple and then I I was kind of over that and wanted to be outside just going up camping and stuff and had a conversation with my uh, stepdad who was working for a major city fire department in Southern California and kind of realized that I think I wanted to change routes and went to school for a couple classes to start leaning towards that and did my EMT thing and knowing that that's kind of the requirements to get into that side of fire and one of the instructors showed us a documentary called Fire Wars it was like a PBS special and it uh, followed the Arrowhead Hot Shots Um, I forget what year that was but it it was older um, and I saw that and immediately was like, okay, I'm going to do that first. Cool. Um, so I looked into where I could work on a hotshot crew and just kind of weighed my options on desirable locations. Um, most of them are pretty desirable. It's the cool thing about the Forest Service. But uh, that's when I chose to pursue the Eastern Sierra. And uh, that's where I ended up for the majority of the years was uh, up there on a hotshot crew. But after a while, just a little rough. It's hard on downtime you're gone a lot uh, wages aren't good uh yeah just quality of life stuff so that's my it's a young so man's game back. right yeah i mean people it's do it for the, their full career but uh, venture I just excitement felt, i just felt like i was in a, a spot that i could i could flip it and and do it while i was still capable and so i started yeah. interviewing and doing all the stuff to, to go to the other side of things Is there one or two memories that really stand out from your time as a hotshot? Oh, yeah. <laughs> could, could you describe those? Sure. There's a bunch of them. It's, I mean, it, it's, it's 20 people. You're going to summer camp for six yeah. months out of the year, and you're spending some of the hardest days of your life with them and then having fun with them on the weekends. Or whatever. So there's definitely a lot of them. Uh, as far as locations and like areas where we were on a fire, uh, I think I've used this one before in some other little interviews or whatever, but uh, Half Dome in Yosemite National Park in, oh, wow. in California there, we had a fire that was, if you stand up on uh, Glacier Point and look at Half Dome from there, it's kind of that infamous viewpoint up there, and you kind of look like up into the right, there's another granite dome back there. It actually might even be called Granite Dome or something. Anyway, uh, we ha- were on a fire up there for about nine days. So we unloaded the buggies in the valley floor and then put on all of our gear and saws and tools and whatever. And we walked up the Mist Trail or John Muir Trail, which is how you hike to Half Dome as a normal human. <laughs> um, but we did it with all of this crap on our backs and went up there and... We call it spiked out because there's no no fire camp or anything. We're just sleeping on the ground, eating MREs and yada, yada. But we walked up there and stayed for uh, nine days. I, I do think it was nine days, but we were eye level uh, and to the east of Half Dome. Um, everyone was kicked out of the park and watched a couple people get flown off the top of Half Dome that were doing the, the cable hike or whatever and they got they got stuck up there from the the fire they flew them off but yeah had the park to ourselves at eye level with half dome and wow uh, it was uh there's a few crews up there but um yeah. yeah they flew we had obviously the stuff we carried with us and then they had helicopters fly in our uh basically a duffel bag that has your sleeping pad bag your little uh stuff sack of chonies and socks and whatever else you put in there um and then they would re-up our mres and like i was saying earlier the qbs the water and like flats of gatorade and uh yeah it was it was cool it was just a probably looking around up there and just thinking that no one no human is sat foot and in camp in that area and that's incredible here i am i, I find that a lot uh well, while Texas doesn't have a lot of public land, there's lots of private land. And uh, occasionally when I end up on some of those places, uh, I like to walk a lot and just kind of explore. And sometimes I find myself in a place and I wonder, has any has any human ever stepped foot in this place? 
and it's it's a pretty surreal feeling to think about um the school bus drives by that's too <laughs> yeah oh whoa there we go hey I didn't, I didn't realize i was right right by the highway uh okay so uh so so now you're uh you're not only a firefighter but then you were telling us earlier uh today or yesterday maybe about uh you've 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 passed the medic exam and and what i found incredibly surprising we were talking about and i'm i'm butchering these terms and i apologize it's for okay that. i'll fix them here in a second thank you <laughs> uh is that uh firefighters are doing way more than just fighting fires correct and uh and i'd love for you to to share that uh and and uh help us all you know better know how firefighters are helping us on a daily basis outside of just uh keeping homes and buildings and forests yeah, burning so i guess both i mean i keep saying both sides of fire it's there's the wildland side with the federal and federal resources that do more of the forest fire type thing and then there's the municipal or city or county fire that does structure fires car accidents uh goes to Mima having a heart attack type of thing um, so that's the two, I, I always, it's like municipal and wildland, but to start with the wildland stuff. So the kind of the picture I just painted, we're doing that for the summer months and then in the winter, the seasonals get laid off. And I kind of mentioned all the people that are full time are then trying to go and do like forest management, thinning projects, or they'll do like building maintenance, um, there's, it just kind of depends on what forest you're on. So there's more than just going to these big fires you see on the news for those guys. Um, and then for the municipal side, uh, you go to the yeah, the house on fire, the big, the big fires or these commercial buildings you see on the news. But they're also going to uh, elevators stuck in a hotel and they can't get out or uh, – someone fell off their bike and hurt their arm or uh, someone has diabetes and they didn't treat their sugar right. So they are not acting appropriately. And someone calls. so when someone calls 911, for whatever reason, it goes to a dispatch center and then it is fielded by a person that decides if it's a law enforcement thing or a medical slash fire thing and so if it's one of those then it comes to our dispatch center and then they send out the closest resource or engine to go handle that but it could be it could be any of those things um i think the and this all varies depending on location and i have to keep saying that because it really does but uh for us it is like i would say almost 90 percent medical calls wow um, and then you get uh, traffic collisions and that stuff thrown in there. But for the most part, we're responding to 911 calls for someone that doesn't feel good or is sick or is having a whatever problem that is likely the worst day of their life. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned the medic thing. So the fire department, again, varies in different locations. But for us, the fire department are also the paramedics. So um, two, at least two of the four firefighters on that red engine are paramedic qualified. And then we have an ambulance that comes in and transport the patient with our medics on board if needed. Um, some places, the municipal fire department is not the treating paramedics. There'll be like a private ambulance company that'll do that. Um, it just depends on city funding and where that, where that all falls into place. But um, yeah, there's, it's kind of a jack of all trades job for sure. That's why it's fun. Keeps it interesting. It's never going to be the same day. Yeah, that's interesting for sure. Uh, and so since you were young, you spent a lot of time camping and, and, and just sort of rambling, sitting around campfires. How, how was your experience as a firefighter, uh, or, or, or maybe not your experience as a firefighter, but your, um, your knowledge of fire and all these sort of things. How does that influence sitting around a campfire for you? Um, I may be asking the question wrong, but I, coming from a construction background, I think about safety different than I think a lot of people do because I, 
I understand the perils of safety and how easily it is to, to get hurt. And, uh, and I feel like that's got to be similar for you and your understanding of fire and sitting around a campfire. Uh, yeah, from the, from the early, the wildland days, or even now we do it, we do it still, but, uh, knowing the amount of wildfires that burn thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of acres and homes and, and take people's lives. Some of those come from someone that is not having a campfire correctly. Uh, I guess that's something I, I see Joe Schmo could have his campfire and leave it burning when he goes home on Sunday. And then I get to go work on it for two weeks and watch the destruction. So I guess seeing that side of it makes me treat my campfires differently. But, um, yeah, i I grew up going camping a lot. We had annual trips. We do tent camping. We do four wheel driving and sleep in the bed of the truck. I, I I've done all that since I was a, a little kid. So, um, I guess I just appreciate it, but I also know, especially now that I've seen it, I know what, what it can do. And if you don't treat it right, I guess it, it'll burn the places that we like to hang out in. So, um, yeah, I guess I guess the big thing would just be that I see what it can cause if not dealt with, right? So I've yeah. done a couple of things with some other brands and and stuff about campfire safety, and there's like resources out there for all that stuff. But it's it's pretty simple. Just be able to touch the fire pit before you go to bed or you go back home with your hand. I'm oh sure man, it's cold. that's a great one. Yeah, yeah. Should we pee on enough? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh. You know, being outside and and you're you're west of Texas, obviously, so there's a lot more public lands. What? How how do you value those public lands? And and maybe what are some some memories you've you've had, or some appreciation or affinity? I mean, you're out a lot. I mean, now that you're not hot shot out there, uh, it, it's more recreational. Your time that's that's spent out um camping and rambling and hanging out and and being with family and friends when when you look back at about uh maybe maybe it's a strong word but your love for being in these wild places i love trees man i love trees <laughs> uh, i do like being outside uh it made working on hot shot crew pretty easy yeah and then i was also able to even though being tired and sore and whatever i was also excited to just know that i was getting to see a new place yeah. and walk through somewhere that i would have never walked through without that so that was cool and then uh, well, i think even aside from aside from fire just uh, coming up being outside and the memories that you've made with your with your family your grandfather yeah. and your dad and your brother and, yeah and uh, and then other friends and all the different adventures you've had like it, i don't know the appreciation for just these places that you get to go to or or why you love to come out and do these things what's what's different about it it's uh i don't know the however you want to say it the escape or yeah check yeah. out a little bit i don't know it's fun whatever whether it be uh four-wheeling in a truck or sleeping on the ground or sleeping in a camper or on a motorcycle or fishing a lake i don't know it's that's just what gets me going and you like doing those things more than watching the latest episode or season of netflix stranger things or something what the heck's that okay that's good that's what i kind of thought actually that's a great soundtrack <laughs> uh yes absolutely yeah yeah uh yeah, I, even when I was working with the Forest Service and basically outside on the ground for six months out of the year, I would still come back and on my two days maybe go camping with the family or something. I wouldn't just sit on the couch and use Oof. it as a reset. So um, I don't know. Maybe that shows kind of how yeah. much I like it, but I, yeah. don't, I don't know why. Yeah. I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just brought in up, your, brought in up your doing it, so maybe, I don't know, yeah. Yeah. You uh, you sit so you can be called for fourteen days. Yeah, right. And, and I then, still, yeah. No matter both sides of fire could do that. Could still, yeah. Okay, federal gotcha. like wildland stuff, gotcha. or uh, as a in my role now, we could still send out 
we have a hand crew that works with us and uh we have engines that we send out and what's called a strike team and that's a choo-choo train of five engines that go together and wherever that we we still send resources out so yeah you yeah. can be called for 14 days and can be extended up to 21 days straight and then there's some other agencies out there that um they they'll run you a little longer um or a lot longer but technically you're supposed to get a couple down days and um and in then between be eligible to get called there correct back. yeah so and what's the, like not counting those two days that you get what's like the longest you've so a typical i'll just go back to the hotshot crew thing yeah. or forest service stuff in general whatever federal uh for the most part the the hotshot crew would work your 40 hour work week and then you would get anywhere from uh, just back to it depends on the area but anywhere from 600 hours to a thousand to 1200 hours of overtime on top of that 40 hour work week uh, and all those overtime hours are coming in that six month time frame uh i said it like mid october earlier all oh, right um so that extra 600 to 1200 hours of overtime would be in that six month time frame and then you'd also have your 40 hour work week so it's, it's a lot of work You're, there's not yeah. a lot of downtime and it's only getting worse and fires are bigger and fire season is longer and for california they you hear people say that there's no fire season anymore it's just always um it's just all, always all, a potential yeah yeah so your your camping and being outside has has been on the ground it's been chasing fires it's been with friends it's been in the back of trucks it's been in, in campers yeah sliding campers mm-hmm. it, it, if somebody today that's listening is like hey i'd really i really want to know what it's like i want to go camp i want to go do that how does somebody get started like and you probably got started as a kid so you weren't necessarily gearing yourself up yeah as far as how you're camping or what what method you're sleeping or using as a shelter or vehicle yeah i think if somebody's interested in in going camping how do they find the the tools and the resources or where do they start uh they just go for a hike one day and then kind of learn what it's like to be outside and then yeah i think you should be comfortable with being outside if you've never been on a hike before but uh, as far as vehicles or shelters or whatever i mean i've pretty much done it all um it doesn't take much i've done cowboy camping just a pad on the ground i've done uh cots i've done tents uh bed of the truck i now have a pop-up sliding camper i've done motorhomes and trailers growing up there's all kinds of different methods but um you don't need you don't need or require any of that you just have to see what kind of thing you're into and what your friends or family or whatever want whatever's going to get you to go outside i think that's the important thing yeah um some people may not want to just throw a pad on the ground and have ants crawl on them but some people also don't want to have a television and watching movies out here instead of looking at the stars and campfire so i think it's it just doesn't matter how you do it i think it's just important that you do it yeah um yeah i i think i've probably camped the most on the ground in my life um and then second to that i've probably had that same sleep set up in the bed of my truck um just with under the stars but up in the truck instead of on the ground with a yeah. pad and bag and but um to get started i don't know just maybe put a tent in your car and go find somewhere look on a map and see where you want to go or find a lake or something or a campground somewhere nearby and go go try it you can sleep in a lot of these cars these days i'm looking at a subaru outback right now and my friend here's sleeping in the back of that pretty easily yeah with a mattress in a in a bag, so, so just relative. Yeah. <laughs> but just go, just go. Yeah, do a little bit of research first, so you don't get out there and have your face ripped off by a bear or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, don't you don't need a bunch of cool gadgets and yeah. knickknacks. Just have a uh, some. Just, just be prepared for weather and temperature, and yeah. find a spot. You also take awesome photographs. Oh, thanks, man. And uh, how did you get into photography? 
because it's a it's a it's a passion thing for you right yeah, it's like I a, just, it, yeah I, I do some work stuff related to it but i enjoy it um it's fun and yeah when you're out doing stuff like this it's fun to capture that and look back at it later and whether it be with friends or just the mountains that you like to look at or whatever it may be yeah, it's it's nice it's just yeah passion related for sure but i don't know what got me started i guess i did the typical uh photography class in school that was probably what started it all um uh yeah i don't know i i bought my first dls dslr camera when i was working for apple and teaching some of the photo editing software there um and i guess that's kind of when it really started and then i think it took off uh for work related stuff and kind of sharing on social media stuff was with the hotshot crew side of things and wanting to just show people what that type of firefighting and firefighters were doing because i didn't as, as we just talked about not a lot of people know that that happens especially about whatever 10 years ago it was kind of fully unknown so i started sharing some of those photos what we were doing out there and what it looked like and how remote it was and what the people looked like and how miserable it was um and then that kind of took off on instagram um and yeah it kind of snowballed from there uh, i think npr saw some photos weather channel abc and instagram itself kind of featured some of my photos and that's kind of where the following and steam picked up i guess when wow. that when that all happened and that was all just off of sharing hotshot crew photos and that was in 2011 or 12 no kidding and now it's back then it was kind of frowned upon to share any of that just kind of a culture thing yeah. um now you could go on and follow most hotshot crews instagrams um but that was kind of a i was kind of like secretly doing that back then mainly just to show friends and family what it was like and then it kind of picked up from there but yeah i think to sum it up it was a high school class uh maybe some photographers in the family but um think from the high school class to working for apple and then to sharing the fire thing and then just turned into kind of documenting what i'm getting into on a on a typical weekend that's awesome yeah but you have an artistic side i mean a in addition to photography, you also uh, play music, right? Yeah, so, uh, I, yeah, I got musicians in the family, painters, photographers, but uh, I grew up in a garage converted to a studio. My dad played music with some close family friends, and uh, so music's been part of, part of my deal for a while. Um, I also went to a trade school for graphic design for a little bit forgot to mention that earlier when you asked yeah no uh, <laughs> i crashed totaled my car and got dropped from the program so i never finished but i did some like uh typography and graphic design stuff early on and then hmm. uh went to apple from there um and i was able to kind of do the creative thing there it was actually my job title was creative um yeah, at nice. apple um that was the kind of instructor teaching people how to use whatever software they wanted to use um yeah now i could i could strum a guitar and bang on a snare a little bit but there you go. Uh, I, I think in general it's just i like capturing people's goofy faces around a campfire there are a handful of times uh in the last day or so you said just look at me and give me a big goofy grin yeah and uh because uh, you'll look at that later and be like man i was having fun <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's true, true. <laughs> and uh and uh we're all surprised the camera didn't break and i and i'm i'm hesitant to see how how ugly i am in the, those goofy grin images but uh but we're, we've been having a good time out here which is which is the most important thing and you know i think uh uh greg we we met uh because you were camping and and you had this sliding camper you're putting in place and you needed a, a way to haul some extra my beer cooler beer cooler <laughs> the most important thing because uh, the truck camper is limited in space and and so having a little extra space to haul some things is important and so we've we've chatted a lot and you had sent us a couple photographs of some of your adventures and stuff and uh one of the most fun things though is like 
we're in Texas. I don't know. We're how many miles away is is Orange County from us? Twelve hundred miles, yeah. or something like that. I don't know. It took me eighteen hours to get here. So yeah, I mean we're 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 halfway across the continent from one another, and uh, have chatted a bunch, and we've met up in Colorado, and just like-minded individuals hanging out. We haven't missed a beat. We've just all been enjoying it. Feels pretty uh, normal and genuine, I'd say. I yeah. can't wait to leave you. <laughs> just kidding. No. Uh, okay, Greg, I got a question for you. Uh, if you could see anybody dead or alive in concert tomorrow, it would be dead or alive. Oh, that's a good one. I would like to see Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers open up for Led Zeppelin. Okay. Wow. Okay. There's <laughs> it your doesn't answer. make sense, but it makes sense in my yeah, mind. In your head. I understand it. The question comes out of an impressive uh, knowledge base of music that Greg has, uh, both uh, past and current. He's brought up all sorts of uh, musical talent in the last couple of days that I've never heard of, and I've I've specifically asked to be put on some sort of a text chain where I can <laughs> start to uh, uh, learn more about. I mean, I love music a lot also, and I just have gotten uh, out of it somehow, and Greg is is so in tune with it, and everything he's been playing that... In tune. In tune. Ah. And uh, that should have been fun, right, but I didn't over. mean it. Uh, has been pretty great, which is where the question comes from. Do you guys remember your first concert? Oof. I do. I do. It's the same as my dad's, but 30 years apart. No kidding. Eddie Money. It? No kidding. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where was it? County Fair. That's awesome. Man, I can tell you. Do you? Yes, I can tell you mine. I was uh, four, 13 or 14 in the K in Houston. The radio station was KIKK Country Kick. <laughs> and that, you know, they have the Kick call-ins. and Wayne? That's right. They have those uh, call ins, right? Get a. Calling caller number ten is going to get a set of tickets, uh-huh. and uh, no way. I used to call those numbers all the time. You know, <laughs> I was telling my kids recently about having a cassette tape. You know, now you can listen to any music you want to digitally. Hey, y'all! This is Kansas the Kid calling in again. That's right. That's right. <laughs> this is Kansas from Texas. And, uh, I was telling my kids about how you know you'd hear a song on the radio and you'd run over and you hit the record button and you'd you'd start that cassette tape to record and you you'd sit there and try to edit it afterwards and there's always these overlays but but uh, so I call in and they say you're the winner to the Jerry Jeff Walker concert <laughs> oh yeah at like Red Top in North Houston somewhere Red Ten or some some bar and uh, they said are you I can't remember now if I had to be 18 or 21, but I was obviously not. And I uh, told them as much. And they said, well, sorry, you can't. And I said, well, hang on. Can I get my mom on the phone? Yeah. And so my mom had a friend over and I run in. Mom, mom. She's like, what is it? What? I'm, I'm talking to my friend here. I'm like, I just won tickets to Jerry Jeff Walker, but I can't win them. You have to come <laughs> get on the phone. And so my mom gets on the phone and gets the two tickets. And she took me to the concert. Heck yeah. And uh, she and I are sitting there listening to Jerry Jeff Walker, and uh, and she bought. I was like sub sixteen, obviously, and uh, she bought me a beer because we're sitting there listening <laughs> to Jerry Jeff Walker, and uh, I'll never forget that. It was That's so pretty fun. cool. And I met Jerry Jeff Walker a handful of years ago, maybe maybe three or four years ago. Did you I was tell him this story at a coffee shop. No way. And uh, and. Uh, and I was with a friend, uh, Rick, who worked at an office across the street, and we're just catching up. And uh, this car parks, and he goes, "Oh, hey, uh, this is so great. Jerry Jeff parks in our parking lot over there almost every day, and walks across and gets coffee." And uh, so as Jerry Jeff starts walking over, you know, Rick stands <laughs> up and says, "Hey, Jerry," and uh, he says, "Hey, Rick, how are you doing, Rick?" <laughs> And I stand up and he goes, and I said, Hi, I'm I'm Kansas Sart. And he goes, Hey, I'm Jerry. And he just said it, Jerry. He didn't say Jerry Jeff. He just said, I'm Jerry. And I said, Yes, sir. I know who you are. Really enjoyed your music my entire life. And uh, oh, good, good. Uh, I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. (laughs) And that was it. And also, another 
ruined uh, or lost opportunity to tell yeah, somebody how much their music's meant yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah you said we too. heard that one earlier. Oh, for yeah. two, yeah. yeah. I, I was ill prepared. Yeah. Uh, the, my favorite Jerry Jeff Walker album, I mean, his his Viva Luchenbach was a great live album and it introduced a lot of people to additional uh, artists. And apparently, uh, Redneck Mother was a last minute add in song for that album, which was a Ray Wiley Hubbard song. But uh, but his Riding High album is fantastic. Oh, if yeah. you haven't heard it, it was before my time. Well, it's never too late to listen to somebody just in the way that Led Zeppelin or uh, Leonard Skinner or. Yeah. Uh, or a number of artists that made incredible music back in the day. Uh, it exists long past their lifespan, which is what's great about it. Yeah. I couldn't help but laugh every time you said Jerry Jeff. I felt like <laughs> I felt like it reminded me of the two knuckleheads we met last night. Oh my gosh! No kidding. Yeah, that's probably a story I shouldn't be told. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, it might have been Jerry and Jeff. I don't know. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Oh, those guys. That's, anyway, that's incredible. That was a uh, lots of stoke. Those two. Though, there was a lot sure. of a lot of stoke and a lot of mini bike. Just a couple of local boys up here having fun, just <laughs> like you mounts. could be doing in the outdoors. Oh, <laughs> uh, Greg, what's uh, what's next for you? Um, some Baja trips? Some, uh, uh, yeah, it's we're coming into September. It's still a little warm down there. Yeah. Uh, I'll probably spend some time in the Eastern Sierra through September and then uh, definitely some Baja trips lined up. So another beautiful thing about living in California, love it or hate it, it's two hours to the border and you could be in another version of paradise. Uh, I'll spend a couple trips down there uh, through October, November, December probably. Baja has a mystique about it. What What is it that you love about Baja? <laughs> it's still kind of like the Wild West. I don't yeah, know. It's, yeah. yeah. There's rules and, and stuff, but it feels like, you know, it feels like there's kind of not. And it's, I don't know, maybe the fact that people think it's dangerous or that it might be a little dangerous or whatever, that might make it a little fun too. But I love the desert. It's got the ocean crashing on cactus and, uh, driving trucks down to track or motorcycle on the beach or whatever is just it's hard to beat tacos a couple oh, margaritas yeah. some beers swimming i think you just said my four favorite things tacos margaritas beer and swimming <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh it's nice it's warm it's got you got to time it right um so october is kind of your season huh yeah That's Oct when it's october to christmas manageable. or so and then i do a couple a couple trips through spring too for a little tour guide service that i help out with but yeah it's uh it gets hot so and humid yeah. do you want to share the tour guide service is that something that's uh, sure yeah. interesting I, for folks to yeah, know about I, shoot, if they I actually go. shoot photos for it uh but we do like side by side or uh, truck trips that are guided down there for folks that either just want to be with a group of people or are uncomfortable going on their own. They could sign up and we kind of lead the pack down there for a four day trip or whatever and through hotels and our favorite taco spots and do a little cantina crawl or whatever with as a group and uh that's called back to baja um it's kind of play on words with a license plate so it's bk to baja but um yeah it's it's fun you kind of pay by vehicle and by person and and then you get the the where to go and gps coordinates and waypoints and the truck that leads you and we have a chase truck and if something breaks we have a flatbed trailer that brings you back and and then uh those are the the two guys that run that are also firefighters that i work with and that's nice. how i kind of got tied in with that but i shoot all the, the all the photos for them um yeah it's fun that's awesome yeah so you're not going down just with a hope and a prayer you're going down with some folks that done yeah it, that's there. the idea behind it because obviously you hear things or see things on the news or whatever so people could get a little light-footed on the idea of crossing and going down there yeah um so the the tour services that are out there kind of help bridge that gap for people that's great yeah yeah we went to mexico uh this summer my family and i and drove down to central mexico uh Guanajuato, just 
kind of northwest of Guanajuato, <laughs> northwest of uh, Mexico City. And uh, what we found is that you have to have a, a specific vehicle insurance for your car. Oh yeah, which costs about a hundred, uh, four hundred dollars or something like that. Uh, it was for a yeah. It was it, like a thirty day versus a six month deal. Was the difference of twenty dollars? Yeah, depending on how much you're going to go down there. Sometimes it makes sense just to get the long one, but yep. it's worth it and uh, it's actually required. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then, and then uh, on top of the insurance, there's a permit when you cross them that's required by Mexico. It's kind of like a visa. Right. And that's another $400 or something like oh, that. Oh, I don't know. Maybe something like that. Yeah. You're yeah. talking mainland, though. Maybe this it's is different. mainland. Yeah. Maybe this is it mainland. might be different. I'm not too familiar with that. And uh, which is, which, which we did our research. So I sort of knew that it was going to cost us that. But I also was like, it's kind of crazy. We're driving to Mexico. Shins are and it's costing us. There. My shins are hot. This fire's uh, keeping us warm here. And uh, but it surprised me. That it was like 800 bucks for us to drive our own vehicle in Mexico for 30 days. Yeah, I, I I am unaware of that that price scale. Maybe that mainland's a little different than the Baja Could be. Peninsula. Could be. It works though. We've used it. Uh, yeah, it's kind of you just want that down there for sure. Maybe it's not four hundred. There, there, there's some piece of it that is a that you get reimbursed for once you cross yeah, back over. I think, I think for uh, I think I I do it by the trip dependent unless I do like a season October through March or whatever. You could buy like the six month one or whatever it is. But I think for like a four day trip it ends up being like 150 bucks or something yeah that's great and the two that i don't again i don't know if it's different for mainland but we use uh baja bound or ride ride baja okay yeah and nice. those they're super easy to work with and i think actually they're both based out of the states that's awesome but yeah super mellow and once you put in your vehicle information and all that stuff it just stays so every time you go down you just log back in and put in your dates oh nice and makes it pretty easy that's awesome I think with all these things, uh, you know, having somebody that's been there, done that helps you get through it. Yeah. It's always best whether you're going on a, I mean, it's not required, but if you're going on a hunting trip or a fishing trip or a Mexico trip or some, some sort of adventure, if you can find somebody that's been there, done that as a guide service or a buddy, yeah, it really helps you overcome the unknown obstacles quicker so that you can enjoy it a little yeah, faster yeah, you're just gonna be able to enjoy it that much better and then you could also pay attention and and figure out what they're doing yeah that kind of sets them up for success that's right yeah because i mean just like the proper planning and being prepared for, for whatever is going to make your trip go smooth and it only takes i mean eventually something's going to happen or yeah. you know tires going to go flat or whatever whatever it may be so just if you're prepared for all that then it doesn't ruin your trip yeah it's great. Dan Coleman, you got anything to you got anything to add? No, uh, I I do have a, a very random question that I want to start asking. Uh, any any EDC everyday carries that are unique uh, that you got that are um, maybe special to you? A good pen, a good knife, maybe. Uh, I do carry the same knife whether at work or day-to-day okay. a different version or i do carry the same knife every single day okay. i have one Good at knife. work and i have one uh, that i carry at home or day-to-day um it is a kershaw and i forget the model I forget but it is very thin okay and it is bomb proof it feels like i've had probably two of them three of them over the last 12 years or so and i think only one tip has broken off because i was using it like a screwdriver Mm. the other ones i lost like a knucklehead uh but i always have a pocket knife on me um okay worker day to day and that's that's the one nice and sleek looks cool that's awesome i like it kansas what about you uh and i feel like you're a good pen guy like just like a, I don't I, know why, but like a. I always have a pilot pen with me. Yep, knew it. The point five. I like that way that one writes. <laughs> it's not really a cool thing to carry with you every day, but I always have a pen because I'm always writing something yep, down. Idea, but, man. No shame, no shame. No. Uh, there's probably something cooler. Maybe ask me the next time, and I'll have a better yeah, answer uh, other than a. No, pen. I don't even have an answer. Other just, than a pen. I kind of aspire to be a 
have something cool that's please like don't a, let it be a pen coleman let i don't know something, cool. something about like a good like 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 handmade a good knife i mean a knife is, is yeah good. yeah yeah it's good but well greg uh thanks for coming on here and uh letting us uh you know talk to you and ask you some questions it's been a a great trip uh we appreciate you and uh, you're super rad let's let's do this again huh of course yeah. maybe we'll meet in the middle somewhere i think that's new mexico or arizona or so yeah, yeah. texas yeah. to southern california has got to be somewhere in there so maybe Agreed. we tie back in in the future and do this again it's been you. fun heck yeah Love preferably yeah. uh a little bit longer and that's right some swimming holes yeah swimming some holes. 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 Swimming holes. yeah so maybe some rope swings <laughs> rope yeah. Swing. Yeah. yeah some rafting floating there, there you go. go i love it that's good <laughs> i know what i know what's going to be there though no matter what is going to be some laughs belly laughs smiles yeah. full coolers turned empty coolers yeah absolutely thanks for thanks good. for having me it's been fun and uh can't wait for the next one all Let's right guys it. see you guys